Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. So I walk through the wilderness. Blessed be your name. Every blessing. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be your name when the sun is shining down on me, when the world's all as it should be. Blessed be your name. Every blessing, blessing be you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in love, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name.
against the power of our The Lord goes before us, amen? No matter what we're faced with, no matter what we're faced with, God goes before us and He fights our battles for us, amen? Hallelujah. What a God we serve, church. What a God we serve. No matter what we're faced with and what, we're, what we've been through, that God is faithful. He's faithful, amen? That even in the midst of that battle, He can bring beauty out of those ashes. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's just worship Him one more time and put our hands together and just thank Him that He's a mighty God. Hallelujah. He's an all-conquering, all-powerful, that no matter what we're faced with, God, we thank You today that we have victory in the house of the Lord today. Father, we thank You that You go before us, Lord. That you make a way where there seems to be no way, Lord God. And Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you again for your presence, God, in this place this morning. We thank you, Lord, for all that you're going to do in our midst this morning, God. Stir every heart, God, today. Father, we pray, Lord. We honor you, Lord. We honor you. We thank you for your presence. And we pray, God, have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. He fights our battles. He goes before us. Glory to God. He that's in us is greater than he that's in the world. Amen. God's moving. Amen. He's moving in our midst, in our situations this morning, and we are so glad and blessed that we serve a mighty God this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. At this time, I'll go ahead and dismiss our children to Children's Church. Amen. Amen. We appreciate Sister Amy. Glory to God. Hallelujah. How beautiful our children. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. We're excited this morning to have a special missionary with us. He's no stranger to Pleasant Grove as he's been here before. He's a seasoned, appointed missionary of the Assemblies of God. How many of you know that missions is the heart of God? Amen. He's not willing that any would perish, but that all 
would come to repentance. Amen. That all would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen. God is still working throughout the earth, I believe. Amen. If there was ever a time we need to share the love of Jesus, it's now. Amen. Because Jesus, how many of you know that he's coming soon? Jesus said we have to work while it's day because nighttime's coming when no man can work. Amen. And I believe, amen, I believe that sun's setting. And I believe Jesus is coming soon. Amen. We have a special missionary with us this morning, Reverend George Rafiti, and we are delighted to have him appointed World Missions. He's a founder of the Arab Outreach Ministries. And uh, uh, Brother George, would you come, come and uh, bless us this morning? Amen. We welcome you. Praise God. Good morning. The Bible tells us Rahiji Yom Kulurukbatin Satan Hani Walisan in Yatarif and the Yasu al Masih Huarab. And if you look at me like this, you don't say Amen, I won't blame you. The Bible tells us one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord forevermore. Hallelujah. Including those tough Arabs and Muslims we're working with. And we told them that when we meet them, said, you can do it today on your own term, or one day, like it or not, you will bow down. Now you will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Glory to his name. Amen. Thank you so much for having me again. Love your pastor and sister Christina. She sent me an email months ago. She said, you know, would you be available those days? I said, yeah, I would love to come back and just share what God has been doing. And thank you for your faithfulness to missions and to our ministry throughout the years. So God bless you guys. I'm going to go back to Jerusalem this morning just to remind you how God called us to this unique ministry to share the love of Christ with Arabs and Muslims. It's good to see Pastor Todd again today and uh, the Blunts family here. God bless you guys. Amen. I was born in Jerusalem into a Christian family. My father is a Greek Orthodox priest. And he passed through the same church for 55 years. Till he just retired a few years ago. He's 85. And, uh, but I remember from day one, my dad loved mission. His mission was to the Palestinian refugees who lived, you know, in the near town, in the refugee camp. And they will come to him and he will help them and pray with them and for them. And I saw that, the love of God. We were Christian minority there among, you know, majority Muslims and Jewish uh, in Israel. But I saw my dad's love that God gave him so much favor with the Israeli authorities and the Palestinian authorities. Besides, he was a priest, he was a public school teacher. He raised generations of students. So I love that about my dad, how people loved him and he, how he loved people. And he taught me from day one, him and my mom, to, lo- to do two things, to love God and to love people. As simple as that. When I turned six years old for education purposes and because of the conflict in Israel, he sent me to a Catholic boarding school on the top of the Mount of Olives, just east of Jerusalem. And that school was run by Catholic nuns, tough nuns, as you know about nuns probably. (laughs) But those were missionary nuns who came from France and from Italy and to, you know, minister to the Palestinian kids in Jerusalem. And I saw, you know, despite they were, you know, mean and rough and tough on the edges, but they, I saw their dedication and they left their families and they came to, you know, work with the kids there in Jerusalem. 
After sixth grade, you have to go to a different school. So my dad found another boarding school for me, this time in Bethlehem. And the school in Bethlehem was run and supported by the Mennonite Church here in the United States. And every few years, they send a missionary school principal. And my first year there was a Baptist missionary, a Palestinian Baptist missionary came from America to go back to minister to his people. And that's why I love mission and missionaries, because, you know, I appreciate them leaving their families, their countries, and answer the call of God upon their lives. So we need to pray for them, and I know you do, and you support them. God bless you guys. And his first year, my first year, uh, we connected somehow, and he used to go preach in different towns in Jerusalem and the Palestinian territories, and he used to take students from the school with him, and he will ask, anybody would like to, I'm going to Jerusalem tonight, anybody would like to go with me to the service? And I always raise my hand because for two reasons, to get out of the boarding school, to take a break, but the most important reason was because there's cookies and tea, of the, you know, after the service always. And so we sit in the back, about five students, of, you know, and we just wait for him to finish his message so we can hit the, t the cookie table. <laughs> but one night in 1987, in a small church in Jerusalem, outside, just, just a few blocks from the Holy Sepulchre Church where Jesus was crucified, he was preaching his heart out. And in the end of the service, something clicked in my heart when he said, if you haven't gave your life, life to the Lord, do it tonight. And I said... You know, I, I can't do that. My, my father's a priest. He has the highest title in the Orthodox Church. He has the big cross, the big hat, the big rope, and I have a picture on the table outside. You can look at him. And it's an older picture of him, though. But uh, I said, I, I don't need to, you know, I can't go to heaven because of my dad, you know. He's a big shot in the Orthodox Church. But the Holy Spirit that night convicted me and pushed me to the altar. And I just found myself at the altar praying and seeking God and saying, Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life, not because of my dad, but because of me. And I want to serve you anywhere and anytime in my life. And that evening, the Lord birthed love for the Muslim people, even though I didn't want to do anything with them. You know, being a Christian Palestinian in Jerusalem is very difficult. On one side, the Muslims, they look at you as a Christian. They didn't like you. Many times they grab our crosses, they spit on them, call us foreigners, worshiper of the donkey, because, you know, we do the, the march, with, you know, when Jesus, you know, uh, Palm Sunday. So many names. So I didn't want to do anything with them. I grew up with them, among them. But God has sense of humor, you know. I get saved here, and he puts that, you know, love for them. And he put that fire in my heart that night. I can tell you today, that fire still burning for them, praise God. Because they need Jesus. Jesus loved them and he died for them. So I finished high school and my new school principal, who was a Church of God missionary now, he's a Syrian background, came from Georgia, the state of Georgia, went back to minister to his people, connected me with the Assemblies of God missionary, Ross Byers. I don't know if you are familiar with his name or not, but he was the overseer there. So I started going to the Bible college with the Assemblies of God in Jerusalem and happy for a few years until a young lady showed up from Sarasota, Florida on a mission assignment. Uh, ended up being my, uh, was her mission probably. Now, <laughs> my wife just sent her love to you, and uh, we just celebrated our 30th anniversary back in February. Praise God. <laughs> we have three children, married children, and we have five grandchildren and the six on the way. So we're so blessed. 
But this young lady came from the tabernacle in Sarasota on a, with the Assemblies of God to teach the Muslim kids about Jesus in Jerusalem. And I was going to Bible college, helping at the school, and it was love from the first sight for me. It wasn't for her. I found out a few months ago, but that's okay. <laughs> so I saw her. I said, this is the one I've been praying for. I was confused, you know. I thought in my mind my wife would be an Arab who knows the language, the culture, so she can minister with me. But God's ways are different than our ways, and His thoughts are different than our thoughts. So I start praying you know, on, the, on the roof of the building where we were staying, and praying the whole night, God, you know, I, I really need to make that decision, if that's the one or not. I felt strongly that's the one I've been praying for. So I went to her after giving her a couple of days to get over the jet lag, and I said, I believe God prepared you to be my wife, and she almost jumped out of the window that day. Bless her heart. But... Uh, <laughs> Of course, you couldn't resist me. No. <laughs> well, she came back, and I followed her, uh, got a visa. As a Palestinian young man, that's impossible, but God made a way, and I got a visa. So I came to see her family, meet her pastor in Sarasota, and God just allowed us to stay in Sarasota. We started working with the youth, the juvenile detention centers in Mayaka City. Uh, I taught Bible to the middle school, the church school. So we were happy, comfortable, starting, you know, new life. We had our first child, second child. But the whole time we had that burden in our hearts to reach the most unreached people today, the Arabs and the Muslims. And as we started looking around, we found in Jacksonville, Florida, there's 50,000 Arabs. So we moved by faith to Jacksonville, and we started our first Arabic church, Arab Outreach Ministries of Jacksonville. And this last June, two months ago, we celebrated 27 years of that ministry. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. About 16 years ago, we moved to Orlando to be in a central location because God put a burden on our hearts to start more Arabic churches. And He gave us the vision to have Arabic churches from the north to the south, Jacksonville to Miami, east to the west, Daytona to Tampa. And we started the Tampa Arab Outreach Ministry, the Daytona Arab Outreach Ministries. And Miami are, you know, in between. So that's our vision, to pioneer Arabic churches, find faithful people, take over, and do this ministry. Because they need Jesus. Amen? It's not their fault they were born Muslims. But we are obligated to share the love of Christ with them. So what we do is we love on them. We provide Arabic services for them. We use a lot of local AG churches in different towns. And we provide Arabic services. We work with a lot of refugees from Iraq, from Syria. And we have outreaches to them. You can see the board outside on the table. Uh, we flyer their neighborhood, and you know, we tell them on this date we're going to be having uh, just fun time. And we pro provide food for them, uh, canned food to take home, clothing all donated to us. Uh, we have a team who will you know do painting on the kids' face, dance with the kids, pray. We know we have uh, you know some songs and small message to share with them. And they sign up for, you know, to follow up, you know, when they come in for a raffle ticket. And we, you know, we keep up with them. And we do also the Arabic festival that Tampa, Orlando, and Jacksonville holds. Like, it's like the Greek festival. It's like the Arabic festival. And that's a big event, especially the Orlando one, where we give out almost between 800 to 1,200 Arabic Bibles to the Muslim communities. Over 800 to 1,200, the Jesus film, the DVD, to the, you know, those Arabs and Muslims who come through for the festival. It's a secular festival, but we're in the table for the day for 500 bucks. And we give hundreds and hundreds of those Arabic Bibles and the DVD of the Jesus film. Because we are the only tables for free. <laughs> so they attack our table. <laughs> 
we have candy for the kids and stuff like this. And one year we had cupcakes. Somebody donated cupcakes. A lady who makes them, you know, she's professional. She said, I'm going to give you cupcakes for the outreach. And people were coming like crazy to our table. But that's what we do. We love on them. We share Jesus with them. And we just live the Christian life before them. In the Bible, there's a story, unique story in John, the, the Gospel of John. Chapter 9, verse 1, 2, and 3. It's a unique story because it, I can't relate to it as, you know, being an Arab background. Before we read this, those three verses, just be honest this morning. When you hear the word Arabs or Muslim, what first thing comes to your mind? Thank you. I won't be offended. Go ahead. <laughs> that's right. Terrorists, suicide bombers, you know. That's, that's, the, that's the nature of or the media that allowed us to believe that all those people are terrorists and suicide bombers, the reality is not tr that's not true, you know. Uh, most of them are just people like you and I who go to school, to work, and there's a group of them who are militant and, you know, bad, like in every culture. You know, walking in, Pastor Todd giving me a hug, and, you know, other couple of people, and I said, wow, they probably missed me, I haven't been here for four or five years. But I started thinking about it, and I said, I bet you they're checking me for bombs before I walked in. <laughs> <laughs> no, the <laughs> but that's what the you know media allowed us to believe that they you know they're all bad, but they're not. You know, most of them are just people like you and I. The story took place here when Jesus was walking with the disciples in John chapter nine, verse one, two, and three. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciple asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? that he was born blind. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. And I started thinking about this, those couple of verses, you know. This man is blind, and the people in the Jewish culture, they believe that if somebody has a, a handicap or a sickness because of a, a sin in his life or his parents' life. <coughs> so they asked Jesus, you know, who sinned, him or his parents? according to their teaching. And we see that Jesus said what in verse 3? Neither him nor his parents. And I believe if we ask Jesus this morning about the Muslim people, <clears throat> Rabbi, whose fault those people are Muslims or Arabs? I do believe he'll answer the same. He will reply, neither. I did not choose to be born in Jerusalem, but thank God I was born in Jerusalem. I did not choose my parents, but thank God for my godly parents who taught me to love God and love people. And those Muslims did not choose to be born in a Muslim country. They did not choose to be born in a Muslim family. But we are obligated as a church to take the great commission to them because God gave us that commission. The Lord said, go to all the world. And preach to all nations, including the Muslim nations and the Arabic nations. Because they need Jesus, as simple as that. I know the media put a bad taste in our mouth for them, but I want you today to look at them through the eyes of Jesus. 
as lost people need the Lord. And I'm praying that God will raise maybe some people from this church to go and work among them here locally or maybe overseas. That's our biggest need today is workers. Nobody wants to do this ministry. It's a tough ministry. I know it takes a long time before they convert and, you know, accept Christ. Because why? They're afraid. Fear is the biggest thing to play in this, you know, our ministry. Because they know if they surrender to Christ, they're going to be disowned, if not killed overseas probably. But at least will be disowned here. And everything they worked with, everything they did in their life is, is, is canceled. I translated a piece of uh, Sharia court to a friend of mine who became Christian from Jordan, Samer. As a matter of fact, he married my cousin. <laughs> and they are doing ministry. They were in Texas and uh, now back in Jordan, ministry to their own people. But the Sharia court said because he betrayed God, Allah, and Islam, everything he did is void, including his marriage contract is void. His, he cannot inherit from his parents. Any contract he did is void. And the only option is him to repent and come back to Islam. Then he has to reissue another marriage certificate. Another, you know, whatever contract he signed, he has to re-sign those contracts. So that's how hard it make, they makes it for them. That's the only solution if you don't get killed because betraying Islam, is the, the punishment is death. But he was able to escape with his wife to Syria. And in Syria they were arrested because they were working with the Kurds. And in Syria, the, the language, the Kurdish language is illegal, and they were giving uh, Bibles in the Kurdish language to the Kurds. Uh, through United Nations, he was able to come to Texas. Uh, he was doing ministry in Texas, and God just called him back to Jordan, to his own people. And now they are in Jordan serving the Lord, praise God. God is on the move. And we notice that in the last 10, 15 years, we've seen more Muslims come to Christ than ever before. They're so hungry. They're so thirsty. They found that there's nothing in Islam. There's no assurance whatsoever. Nothing. It's a dead end. And that's why they look into Christ. And 90% of them, 85 to 90% of them, they come to Christ through a vision or a dream of the Lord. We are afraid to go minister to them. The Lord is doing the job himself. And because they're so stubborn, sometimes take the Lord himself to do it. To you know, convince them. But they're really hungry. They're really open to the gospel now. So if you know any Arabs, Muslims in your area, which is I'm sure there is, they're everywhere. There's almost 300,000 in our state, over 300,000. They said Tampa's going to be the next Dearborn, Michigan, or the next Chicago in the next few years. So many Arab, Muslim businessmen moving in. So many families moving into Tampa. So watch and see. They're going to be here, down here. It's not a threat. I don't look at it as a threat. I look at it as a challenge. An opportunity that God gave us to share the gospel of Christ with them that they might get saved and take the gospel back home to places we can go as missionaries. So look at it as a challenge from God for you guys. You know, share the love of Christ. Muslims will never reject a prayer. They will never. Actually, as a matter of fact, when they need a breakthrough, they come to the Christians to pray for them because they know Jesus did miracles. Muhammad did not do any miracles for them. That's true. As a matter of fact, there's miracles in the Quran written about Jesus that he performed. We don't have them in the Bible. They had extra. <laughs> so when they need a prayer or breakthrough, they go to the Christians and ask them to pray for them. So don't be afraid to pray for them. 
And if you ask me how we minister to them, we use the simplest method that Jesus taught us. And it's found in Luke chapter 10, verse 8 and 9. This is, we can use it with the Arabs, with the Muslims, with the Chinese, with anybody, even your American neighbors. You can use this same method because I know people went to seminars about Islam and after a week they came out clear as mud. They didn't understand anything. They thought, you know, it's impossible to reach them. But nothing is impossible. God. We just sang that song. There's nothing is impossible with Jesus. There's nothing is impossible with Jesus. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. And that's what we do. We love them. We put seeds in their lives and allow the Holy Spirit to grow those seeds and bring salvation to them. And Jesus gave us the method. The best method you can use. Very simple. Luke chapter, eight, verse, uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 8 and 9. He said, when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you, heal the sick who are there, and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. Three steps. Sometimes we get so, we have zeal about, you know, for Christ, and we go to a convenience store, we see a Muslim guy, and we say, Muhammad is a liar. He's a pedophile. He's, a, you know, Islam is false religion. You're going to die and go to hell without Jesus. And what did we do here? We just lost the guy forever. He'll, he'll never listen to you again. That's not what Jesus said to do. He said, when you enter a town, when you meet somebody, what did he say to do? Eat what it said before you. What does eating represent? Fellowship, acceptance. And that's what we do with the refugees. We provide food for them. We fellowship with them. You know, we invite someone to our house. We go to their houses. And he said, when you eat... What's going to happen when you fellowship with somebody? They're going to feel free to share their needs with you. Which is you go to the second step. He said, heal the sick who are there. That means pray for their needs. Fellowship with people. Pray for their needs. Then tell them the kingdom of God is near you. By that time, by the second step, they're going to ask you, why you're different than most American people? You, you know, because we thought of them, they're all terrorists. Guess what the media... Uh, portray to them about the American people in the West there. They're all infidels, walked away from the will of God, because all what they get in the Middle East from the West is the pornography, the uh, you know, Dallas show back then, and all the soap operas. And they say, whoa, those people really walked away from God. They live like a messed up life. That's what they think. You know, it's supposed to be a, a America as a Christian country, and look at the, you know, all that filth that is brought from there to them and just destroy that image and when they see you a born-again christian who loves god knows the bible they respect you they honor you they welcome you and that's what jesus told us to do when just forget the muslim for a second go to your neighbors get to know your neighbors invite them for a cup of tea uh, maybe a meal if you can afford that Get to know them, fellowship with them, and when they open up and, you know, they share their needs, you know, they're looking for a job, there's sickness, you know, pray in the name of Jesus. As I said, Muslim will never, you know, reject prayer. As a matter of fact, if you want to, I want to give you a free tip this morning. If a Jehovah Witness come to your door, the only way to get rid of them is say, let's pray together. They will literally run because they're not allowed to pray with you as non-Jehovah. They will run literally, like walk away. But the Muslim, no, will welcome your prayers. And when they see the Christ in your life, when they see the love of Christ, and you care about them, you know, when we work with those refugees, say, our own people rejected us. Our own people will not receive us. 
and you came, we came here, you know, we thought you're infidels, you're, you know, uh, walked away from love of God, and we see the love that you offered us, you know, just a small, you know, package, of, you're going to see a can that says on it's royal chicken on the table, please don't open those, those are old, <laughs> but uh, we buy those during Christmas time, and we give them, we call it the boxes of love, and we put some of those royal chicken because Muslims and Jews don't eat pork, so it has to be chicken and says on it like kosher, halal. That means, you know, it's not butcher another way except the Islamic way. So put those cans of the chicken in those boxes rice, beans, uh, the Arabic Bible, the Jesus film in Arabic, and, you know, other literature. And we just go and, you know, just say, we would like to bless you with this box and pray with them, and if they have any needs, and pray with them. And they really appreciate it so much that we don't have a ham in that thing or an unkosher, you know, items. And they, you know, that we thought about it. They appreciate that. And that's what we do. We, you know, just be, we are helping hand ministry to them. Some of those refugees, they come here, they know how to drive. So we teach them how to drive. And we take them to doctor appointments, immigration appointments, talk to help them find a job and be connected in the, in the community. Learn English as a second language because they come, you know, with no English. And so we, we, we are so thankful that you allowing us to do that, but you're, by your faithfulness and prayers and support every month, to be your extended arms and hands to reach the Muslims and the Arabs in our state. You know, there's almost over 9 million Muslims in America now, and they keep coming. So let's pray God will raise an army of missionaries to work among them, especially Tampa. We need more in Tampa. We work in the USF uh, with the students, international students, and the Muslim students, uh, we just minister to them. And so we need more people. So pe please keep that in your prayer. Pray for more workers who will be willing to work among the Arabs and the Muslims. And remember those, those three steps. Don't attack their religion. Don't attack their faith because we don't care about that. When we have that table, we rent that table and try to do ministry and give them those free Bibles at the Arabic festivals. Some will come with the attitude, try to argue, you know, well, we believe in Jesus. Why don't you believe in Muhammad? And they try to make conflict. So very easy, I turned the table and said, you know what? I'm here to talk about Jesus only. If you want me to talk about Jesus, I'll be more than happy to talk about Jesus. You know, they always try to tell you, why don't you believe in Muhammad? We believe in Jesus. And I just tell them, I'm here to talk about Jesus. Any question about Jesus, I'll be more than happy to answer. And just change the whole atmosphere from being in conflict to, hey, maybe we'll listen to you. Amen? So they're people. Again, they're not alien. <laughs> you know, they, they have no tails. Like somebody thought, you know, they have tails. They don't. They're just people happen to be born in the Middle East in a Muslim family. And as I said, it's not their fault. But we are obligated to love them and uh, pray for them. And we do have to work in unity as a church. We cannot afford not to work in except in unity. In Luke chapter 5, I'm not going to read it because it's a long uh, sto a story where Jesus healed the uh, paralyzed man. You remember the story? Jesus was preaching. Uh, there were four friends with their sick friend who, were, who was paralyzed. And uh, they wanted to bring him to Jesus. In Luke chapter 5, uh, verse 17. And when they got to Jesus, to the house, the house was filled with people. People listening to inside the house, people around the house. They were not able to come to Jesus and to bring him to Jesus. Too many, too many people. Big crowd. That day, they had the best excuse to tell their friend, Hey, sorry, buddy. We tried, but there's no way to get you to Jesus. 
I hope this is not our attitude when we pray for our loved one to come to Christ. Sometimes we pray for them for years and we give up, you know. I guess you know, God doesn't want to save them. Or they want to get saved. But that's not the truth. Those four friends, they were faithful enough to create a way, an ordinary way. They couldn't come through the doors or the windows. What did they do? They climbed on the roof, they dug the roof, and they lowered their friend with unity. Because imagine one of them in a hurry, or one of them so slow, what would happen? They flipped him and killed him, and Jesus has to do raising from the death ministry instead of healing ministry that day. But they had to work in unity to bring him to Jesus. And this morning I want to challenge you. If you have a loved one, somebody you're praying for, and you don't think, you know, they're close to God, don't give up. Keep praying. Find an ordinary way to bring them to Christ. Maybe they won't come through the doors of those church, the, the doors of the church. Find a different way to bring them to Jesus. Love on them and allow the Holy Spirit to work in their lives. And that's what we do. I know that it's the tough ministry. You got life threats many times when we first started the church in Jacksonville. Because unfortunately it seems like every time we have a local church that we use, it's like a mile from the mosque. The one in Tampa we use East Point Assembly. We have a mosque down the road on Sly Road. And we the church in Jacksonville on St. John's Bluff, the local AG church we use, it's literally like almost a, a mile down the road. There's a big mosque there also. So they felt threat that we, they saw all these Iraqi refugees. We brought them in the van to the church every Sunday. They did not like that, that the mosque. So they were sending us live threats, you know, that they're going to kill us so we will never preach again. Guess what? 27 years later, we're still preaching. <laughs> Glory be to God. One year we had a, a young man. He was the only Sydney among all these Shiite young men that we were ministering to who came as refugees. And they didn't like him. for Shiites and Sunnis didn't like one another. So his name is Kifah. So Kifah disappeared for three months. We couldn't say, where's Kifah? Nobody knows where Kifah. And after three months, we found out that he was sent to Michigan, to Dearborn, to be disciplined by the Imam for going to an infidel place, <laughs> going to the church. The funny thing, they can go to bars. Nobody will question that. But if they go to church, you know, a red flag comes out. So after three months from being disciplined by the imam for going to church, he came back, he brought a friend, and he took communion that Sunday. Glory be to God. <laughs> he did not care. He married an American young lady. They have a couple kids now, and he drove a semi to be out of town, away from their faces. So they won't you know, keep bothering him. But that's what we do. We love people because God loves people. And we love people because God loves us. So those two principles my dad taught me, did you see how many times I said mission today? Probably a lot. My dad's mission, the nun's mission, the school principal, two of the missionaries, the Assemblies of God missionary in Jerusalem, my wife's coming as a missionary, and we are now an Assemblies of God U.S. missionary sharing the love of Christ with those Arabs and Muslims. And we're so excited this month, actually, we launched the Arabic School of Ministry. We're going to be training a lot of Arabic people for the ministry here in the United States. So the courses are similar to the district school of ministry. So it's going to be called the Arabic school of ministry because this, the courses are in Arabic. We have nine courses plus uh, an internship for each level up to ordination. So, got, you know, they have like the three levels already translated in Arabic and ready to go and the registration opened just a few weeks ago. So pray for students and more teachers to have to be able to train Arabs, 
men and women for the ministry here in the United States. Amen? Because that's a major need for us. And before I, you, know, you fall asleep on me here, I'm going to close with <laughs> one more verse. That's the last verses in your Bible. If you open your Bible to the last verses in Revelation chapter 22, verse 20 and 21. It says, He who testified to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. I do believe, like Pastor Todd said this morning, that Jesus is coming very soon. And it's the sunset. I do believe that. Looking at the situation in Israel and the Middle East, it is the last days. And we have to be ready and prepared. Amen? Because Jesus is coming soon. You see, when you... I'm sure most of you probably took an airplane and flew. And uh, before, you know, before they take off, they do a demonstration. If something happened in the air... You know, uh, this is what's going to happen. A mask will come down, and if that mask comes down, what you should do? What did you, somebody said that. Put it on yourself first, then help somebody next to you. Why? Because if you can't help yourself, you're not going to be able to help anybody around you. And if we are not ready for the return of Christ, how are we going to get people ready? So let's get ready for his return and allow, uh, help, so we can help people around us to be ready for his return. I do believe every Muslim must know the truth about Jesus. Like it or not, they must know the truth about Jesus because they have you know, uh, uh, conflicted uh, uh, idea about Jesus from the Quran. He's a great prophet. That's about it. And those refugee are here so they can hear I believe send them here for a reason so before you leave this morning please stop by the table if you have any questions I'll be more than happy to answer them take a prayer card keep us in your prayers and I have a few coins that we give at the outreach maybe maybe the kids will have them I don't know if you fight for them I don't know <laughs> whatever if, who, first come first serve but on one side it says where will you spend your eternity John three thirty six, and on the other side in English says John 3.16, for God to love the world. And we give those at the outreach beside the Bibles and the Jesus film. And we have them Arabic, Arabic, and Arabic, English, and English, English also. And everybody likes a shiny coin, amen? So if you know a Muslim, please take one and just share it with them. Say, where are you going to spend your eternity? He'll say, I don't know. He'll say in Arabic, Allahu A'lam, inshallah, which is mean God willing, God knows. There's no assurance. You know, I'm going to tell you that you can be assured where you're going to spend your eternity if you give your life to Christ because He came to die and give us eternal life. Amen? So that's what we do, and we're grateful to your faithfulness throughout the years to allow us to do what God called us to do, to love on those people that most people don't want to love or work with. <laughs> but again, we look at them through the eyes of Jesus. And I hope this morning change a little bit of your heart from what the media tried to betray them or you know put in you know plant in your heart about them because they're just people like you and i and jesus loves those people amen i'll be by the table if you have any questions uh, but don't leave this morning if you have a prayer request i'm, I'm gonna invite pastor todd back to the uh, to the pulpit here if you have a need this morning if god tug in your heart you know for a special specific prayer for a loved one for 
maybe called to mission, you know, please, you know, don't leave this place. Come to the altar and pour your heart before the Lord and that Pastor Todd, I'll help him. He needs me to pray for you. Amen. Thank you again and God bless you guys. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. What a powerful challenge to us this morning. The fields are white and they're ready for harvest. Amen. Pray ye therefore that the Lord of the harvest would send forth labors into the harvest. And I hope you're praying. We had that challenge last week that we would pray that the Lord would send labors into the harvest. And I was just... Uh, you know, uh, what, what a powerful word of wisdom that our brother shared with us this morning. Amen? Of how to reach uh, those Muslims. We don't, we don't get into, you know, uh, uh, I guess I'm trying to say talking about their religion, but we just share the love of Jesus. Amen? Amen. God's, how many of you know that we're all called? Amen. We're all called. Amen. To go. Jesus told us in... Matthew, to go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. Amen. We're to share that gospel message with everyone. Amen. And we can, and, and you know, look around in our nation today, God is bringing the world to America. Amen. We have, may have opportunities in our workplace to minister to those that come from the Arab nation. Amen. We, we, we saw a vision, didn't we? John gave us a vision when he looked and he saw. And he said, I, I, I saw people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation that were there. You see, it's only by the grace of God that we're here, that we are who we are. Amen? <laughs> Amen. You shared that, brother, that, that it's by the grace of God that he was born in Jerusalem. And by the grace of God, we're born. And that we're here today, that we know Jesus is our Lord and Savior. And we're going to open these altars in just a moment. And if you don't know Jesus, we want to encourage you to come. He's coming soon. And you don't want to go in, into an eternity apart from Christ. We'll pray with you this morning if you don't know the Lord. But you know, I was thinking too, the Lord just laid on my heart this morning that many missionaries have been called right here from Pleasant Grove to take that gospel message to the ends of the earth. Amen? And I just want to give an opportunity for the Lord to move this morning. You know, it was after I got saved and Carla and I met, and every time a missionary would come, it became a joke that, that wherever that missionary was called to, that that's where I got a call to go to. But, you know, I came to figure out that it was, it was a call to people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation that there's a burden for the lost. And I pray that God would begin to stir up that burden within us this morning, that God would move. And as we, as we pray this morning, I just want to invite you to come. If you, maybe you're here this morning. Maybe God's tugging at your heart this morning. And maybe you're feeling a call to missions, to take the gospel to another part of this world. We just want to give that opportunity for you to come so that we can pray with you this morning. 
Amen? So if you feel a call to missions this morning, we want to invite you to come and stand right over here. Amen? This morning as I open that altar. If you don't know the Lord, come join me down front. I'll pray with you. Hallelujah. And then I just want to invite you to stand this morning.